This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And what sort of contribution fee did they ask for then? Wow, wait until I tell you. Waterford, our planning fees are nine grand. Welcome to the very first episode of the Get In Our Home series. This series is designed to help home builders, homeowners and renovators to get inspiration and guidance from industry professionals, but also homeowners themselves. My name is Peter Kilmartin and in this episode we travel down to County Waterford to meet Neve and Mark to speak about their newly built passive certified house. We speak about all things home building, the benefits of going with a passive house, cost cutting tips and lots lots more. If you'd like to see Neva Mark's stunning home, their YouTube episode is also live on the Get In Our Home YouTube channel. So I started by asking Neva Mark why they chose this particular site for their forever home. Yeah, so like, so like, um, why did you pick here? Like, wh- why this site and what draw, what drew you to, to build here? I suppose. Do you want me? Uh, I'll start in that one. Um, so my dream always. Um, I was always obsessed with building and with houses and interiors Um, and I always said even though they laughed at me at home that I was going to build a big house up in the middle of the big field because this is the big field. Um, Is this this, this the good field? This is the good field. Okay, yeah. It's the best field. And um, yeah, so dad owns this land um, and my family would live on this kind of hill. Um, So this is like the big field on the hill. So it's fairly iconic, like. And um, then, through the jigs and the reels, my dad thought there was a site down there and a site there in both corners. But he hadn't met Mark. So Mark was like, you can get three sites there, Vince. So Mark uh, managed, even though you didn't realise I wanted the middle of the big field. Um, really. Yeah, so I suppose Neva never really told me about this dream of ours being the big. She said, Afterwards, when we actually got planning here, Neve actually said she actually drew pictures when she was a child of a big two-story house, and her dream was always to build a big house on the, in the big field. Wow. So I suppose where, where I came into it was I had built a house uh, in 2006 just down the road before ever meeting Neve. Uh, didn't even know Neve at the time. Uh, built just down the road, literally a kilometre I think from Neve's home place. Um, and um, I was living there for a few years and then the recession came and I tried to sell the house then at the time because I was out of work. And I think when I made that decision at the time to sell the house, it kind of broke the, the grow I had for the house. So when I made that decision in 2011, even though it was a good number of years later, I never really bought back into the house. So um, when myself and Eve uh, met, didn't even know, met her inside in Dungarvan one night. And um, eventually, through chatting and stuff, trying to suss out who she was, who was this cute little thing behind the bar, um, sussed out that she was actually living only a kilometre away from where I was. Like, So we got to know each other that way, and then eventually we, we got together. So then we were always chatting about the potential, I suppose, oh, yeah, that house, even though it was a lovely house, it was in Neve's house, or Neve's dream house. So I had done a course in 2011, a passive house designer course, and I just really bought into the whole passive build. Um, and I always said I'd love at some stage in my life, if it got the chance, to build a passive house. 
So um, you used to always tell me about this course and about like the experience you had because you went into was it one of Ireland's first passive houses? Well, it was a house. There was a house we went to visit in the course um, that was a passive house, and I was just blown away by the I suppose the quality of the air quality, the just the comfort inside in the house, which I just I always I, I kept telling people about the smell of fresh air, which people thought I was think losing the plot, but there was just this smell of fresh air in the house. And uh, I think I'd leave bombarded yeah, with the I'm asthmatic, house, so um, I'm asthmatic, and Mark was saying, Neve, you need, and like I'm really into health and fitness, so I really value a good night's sleep. I really value like, like you know, just being a healthy, living a healthy lifestyle. So Mark was telling me about this, um, like it, it's like a microwave sleep. Do you know, like you you could sleep for a few hours, and it feels like eight hours because you wake up so refreshed because it's fresh air all the time that you're breathing in. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool. And then what, like, what like, led you then to like, so like fast forward a little bit, then like when was the decision made, like okay, we're building a house? Um, I suppose came to around 2018 and we were talking about it and I suppose I was holding on to the last house because the market was gone, houses weren't selling and I was going to sell at negative equity maybe at the time or just about break even. So I always had it in the back of my head that I wouldn't sell until such a time is that I'd at least cover my costs and maybe have a kind of a starting point again for another house. So in 2018, things seemed to be picking back up again in the country and looking at sales in the area, market was picking up. So we kind of made a decision, we'd give it a go and see what would happen. So we put the house on the market. So I think that was early 18, wasn't it? Yeah. We put the house on the market, but I think we'd kind of missed the, the buying window of 2018. So 2018 went by, a couple of people came to view the house but nothing happening. And we were kind of sitting back then because we were kind of going, maybe it won't sell. So we'd done really nothing on yeah, the Yeah, there was no the panic either on us, really, like, you know, we weren't, because we had the house, so yeah, we were kind of... we were of just kind of seeing how things would go. And then the new, 2019 started and a couple of people came to view the house. And then out of the blue, in 2019, the auctioneer rang up, I think, the middle of March, around the 17th, 18th of March. And he rang up and said, Mark, we, we have a sale agreed on the house. Uh, actually from two local people that had another house down the road. And we were like, great, brilliant, the house is sold. Like, this is the starting point. And then I was sitting back going, actually, we have no planning permission to apply for it. We have, <laughs> we have nothing done here. Like. And uh, we were actually going on a cycling holiday the start of April 2019. And I actually kind of got a panic. And I went, we need to get the ball rolling here. So I actually took a week off at uh, the last week in March 2019. I took the, the entire week off and I actually started. I had a, we had a concept of a house, but nothing firm. Yeah. So I literally took that week off and came up um, and did the percolation holes and did the whole lot here like, uh, and just put in the planning and went on our holidays and said, right, planning is in and hope for the best after that. And tell me a little bit about, like, because a lot of people that will be listening to this and watching this will be very interested in planning and how that goes. And a lot of people talk of having trouble with planning. How was your planning experience? I suppose we were lucky enough um, the way planning went. At the start, we weren't sure how it was going to go. So I suppose going back a few months then before that, when we were in the, the selling process, we were looking at potential sites up here. And without knowing about the big field, Neve's love for the big field, we had seen a site down near Neve's parents' house and we, uh, we looked at that and that was a potential. And then at the same time, Neve's sister was looking at going building as well. So there was kind of who was going building where and who wanted what site. And between the jigs and the reels anyway, uh, Neve's sister picked a site down near her parents' house. And the site that was uh, the next site up available from Neve's parents' house was a quite hilly site. So we were looking at maybe going there with a split level house. Because um, we'd always spoke about an upside down house yeah. if we were going building. And then the, the silage field, as is known, the big field came, came into the mix. And as Neve said, her dad had a typical farmer, we'll put you into the corner. It's just because they don't want to ruin good fields, big silage fields. So we were looking at potential over there and then a potential over here. And I was like, no, the best site is the middle of the field. And I think um, I said it to Neve, so I left Neve do the, the dirty work then with her dad to, to, to break the topic of potentially building in the middle of a silage field, which 
I think as most farmers would know, it's nearly unheard of, like, that they'd leave yeah, somehow. But in fairness, like, when, like, it takes so long to kind of, like, we were lucky we had a choice of where we'd actually put in for mm. our planning. Um, and like you had said about the split level down on the, the hilly site. So this effectively is like a split level done on a less, yeah. in, on a less steep site. Mm. Um, and then, so it, we always had this similar design um, we knew what we wanted, we knew what we wanted, it just depended on what the site required. Um, so then, thankfully, we were able to go here and you, like, Mark, Mark marked out the site, like, lovely, like, so my dad could see it and everything. And, like, it's very square, so, it, like, you know, it actually it worked out quite well um, in the end. And yeah. then in terms of, like, submitting the application, everything went smooth, or did you have any feedback? Or? Yeah, so that, that week in March, I took off. Got the house drawn, did the percolation tests. And, and you, sorry, you did the drawing yourself? Did, did the whole lot, oh, yeah, okay, from wow. start to finish, yeah. I've been doing some of that as a sideline because my background okay. is an engineer, so um, so I did the, the planning application in the end of March, um, submitted it. I suppose prior to that, I'd gone to planning just for a pre-planning meeting, just to get a feel for what they would grant because uh, Neve's uncle is living uh, to the east of us. Um, he's a bungalow. There was a, another house to the west of us, which was a bungalow as well. So we were trying to build a two-storey house in the middle of two bungalows, which I had reservations over. Now, there had been some precedents in the area that they granted two storeys near bungalows. So I had that as a, a kind of a, a thing to go back with to them if they said no. And would you recommend people go for the preliminary? Like, is, it, is there value Yeah, I think there's definitely merit in it. Now, you might get a, an agreement, yes, in principle, in pre-planning and they could still come back and refuse you or they could come back and look for you to go with something different. You always have that risk because planners, they'll never commit. They'll never give you a commitment. The only commitment you'll get is if you get planning really. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So we submitted the planning, like the, the pre-planning had said, yeah, look, in general, we'd be okay with it because the Neve's uncle's house next was actually quite an elevated bungalow. So our two-story wasn't going to be towering over it. So they were kind of okay that way. And then I suppose planning at the time is changing now since, but planning at the time were in favour of um, uh, sons and daughters of farmers building on the land. So Neve had that aspect in the fact that um, she was the daughter of a farmer. Yeah, so, she so basically I, I applied for planning permission on, on my own. Mark, yeah. I, impl I was employing Mark to, to Because of my name was in the planning they were deemed that I didn't have a housing need because I had a house and I was selling it. So my housing need wasn't there where Neve as an individual. Now I suppose we weren't married, which was probably lucky that way. Like, But yeah. Neve had a housing need that she wanted to live near her parents to be there for them in their later years. So Yeah, and was the, on the farm and stuff. And yeah. I'd been living with you, but like council didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They do now. Yeah, um, yeah so you apply for, you, you can work the planning, you're not lying. At the end of the day, Neve was building yeah, her house. Truthful, like, I was yeah. just building her yeah. with her, but if I had been on the application, it could have made it a bit more awkward. You'd have to do more justification. So yeah. Neve was the, the applicant. Yeah, and then there was just a few little bits, like they, they insisted we uh, connected to Irish water. We couldn't sink our own well, even though like the family here would have sunken wells, like my parents yeah. would have a sunken well. Um, so both me and my sister had to connect to Irish water. There was like no they were basically telling you you could sink a well if you wanted. We're not stopping you from sinking a well, but a well would cost you around three, three and a half thousand euros, where they were insisting because there's water passing your, your gate, you have to apply to, you have to pay the, the connection to Irish water. So when you're paying that gas, three thousand euros or more like we, we were lucky enough i think irish water connection was around two and a half three thousand yeah some people would have bigger bills yeah. if they're down a lane or something yeah so they're really pushing you and i suppose it's one expense that they're pushing you towards so if you have to pay three thousand to irish water you're not going to pay another three thousand to sink your own well so you just go with that and what sort of contribution fee did they ask for then wow wait until i tell you waterford our planning fees are nine grand for a, a, a yeah, size. for a house over two hundred and one square meters, I think you're into a, a nine thousand euro planning. And what size square foot is this house? Two hundred and eighty. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So like once you go over, if you build two hundred square meters, you'll be around five grand. If you build two hundred and one, you're nine grand. 
And that's it doesn't really matter if you go 301 or 401. Or really, it's just, it's either it's five or nine. Well, that's just for Waterford in, I think in Tipperary and Cork, I think it's per square foot. Well, it is, it's, it's, it's based on square meterage, but like, I suppose we, we were, well, I suppose I knew the fee was going to be around 9,000, but it's a huge cost. Especially at the start of your build, you know, when and that's cash it, is low. Planning and insists you yeah. pay it before you start. We, we held out as much as we could because when you're self-building, cash flow is, is so it's critical. Yeah. Like, and they're insisting on their 9,000 yeah. up front. Um, so I think that needs to change, to be honest. But like I yeah. spoke to people then that had recently built in Cork and a similar size house in Cork was around 3,500 euros contribution. And in Wexford, it was around three and a half thousand euros as well. But if you build an A2 rated house or better, they gave you back half that fee. And this was actually a passive house. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. we were even better than that, but yeah. we still had to give Water County Council 9,000 9, euros. I think Mayo is the best place in Ireland to build. I think it's only like 750 uh, euro to planning fees to, uh. to build a house in Mayo. Yeah, but you look at it'll all change now in the future. And yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so then talk to me a little bit about, um, I suppose, starting your building journey. Like, like how early on did you know, like heating systems and suppliers and all that sort of, like, you know, I suppose the logistical side of building a house? I suppose from my side of it, like from, from when you I would saw have known passive a lot of people. houses and stuff, I yeah. used, there was a couple of big names that you'd hear in, say, um, the, the different aspects of it. So. From my bit of investigation, I suppose, before I went down the route of building, I had come across a company, Shoalwater Timber Frames in Wexford, and I'd seen their work, and I'd worked with a, a civil engineering company who had a, a sister company that built houses, and they were one of the first crowds in Ireland to actually build passive houses for sale. Um, they were Bennett's in, in, in Wexford, and I'd been following some of their stuff on, online and on, on Passive House magazine, and the Shoalwater timber frame, I'd seen their work and I just was blown away by the quality. So I'd always say to Neve, if we get to build our passive house at some stage, uh, Shoalwater, we're going to do it. That was always my kind of thing. Like. Yeah, and then we, like I started the Instagram page um, and I think we were talking to Donal in Shoalwater and we actually hadn't decided to go fully certified, um, but then what is the benefits of going fully certified? What, you get there... a plaque at your door and you're assured that everything has been tested okay, and yeah, yeah. approved like 100%, do you know? I suppose the other side of, of certified as well is there's lots and lots of people now that are they're going towards passive or they're building or they're speaking to consultants that are passive house designers. Uh, there is an additional cost to go certified and I suppose that's just a thing that because we've actually built a passive house and I wanted a passive house, you want the plaque in the door to actually prove that you've achieved it. Yeah, like. yeah. So that's one side of it. But the other side is a lot of people are building passive houses and modern houses, airtight and good airtightness, triple glazed windows and really good insulation. And we think in Ireland that we're always cold, but they're forgetting about the fact that we do get sunshine in Ireland and we're not actually a cold climate. So the, the biggest issue in Irish houses now is overheating. Yeah. So like there's modern houses being built with the last couple of years. And when it comes to summertime, the people literally can't live in the houses. Like they're grand during the day because they can open up the doors when they're there and leave fresh air, purge the heat out. But at nighttime, they have to close up the windows for security. And they're lying inside in bed, throwing the quilts off and they're sweating going to bed because they're just roasted in the houses. So the passive, um, certification takes in your heating and having how warm and comfortable your house is and your air and your air quality but also takes in the overheating which is an issue that's which is overlooked. like a ventilation thing as well well it's, yeah. it's more shading of your yeah. sun that like you've glazing to your south to get your your winter sun in to, so that your house will function uh, efficiently in the winter but in the summer then you're going to get really bright sunny days intense sunshine and it's coming in the same glass and it's literally like having a massive radiator on in the middle of the day in the summer. But I also think it's for the, the quality. Like if, if I, I could say to you that's a passive future-proof window, it, it could be a, a triple glaze 
window. Like, how do you know the difference? Yeah. If I have the cert to say that this window was tested on such a day by someone and it's certified as being a passive future-proof window, yeah. I know the quality is in that window. Yeah. Do you get me? So yeah. if, if, even though, like, I know it's an extra expense, but I, as a homeowner, have that reassurance that every trade being through this house has applied with a passive... Um, kind of workmanship yeah do you know it's been tested and proven that they have there's also the benefit the in the fact that all your tradesmen and all your spires knew that you were going for a passive house so the quality yeah. had to yeah. be there like yeah. Yeah. yeah big time like and it actually they say that building a passive house they say 10 percent extra but like it depends on how big the house is i suppose and what 10 percent is but really it's just attention to detail you know it's kind of just knowing what you're doing and setting out yeah. to achieve that level of kind of not perfection but to achieve a really high standard and making sure that people are kind of on board with that but yeah like the like somebody that's listening to this or watching this might think um about a passive house but you really need to think about passive house early days you know when you're in yeah. a talent stage especially in terms of sunlight and rotation and everything yeah yeah you do but i suppose in saying that the modern house that's being designed now is a lot more energy efficient anyway and and architects and engineers are kind of looking more at orientation where if you went back 20 30 years ago the bungalow bliss type scenario like where you literally the house the house was picked off a magazine or, or designed before ever seeing the site so you just literally plonked the house the front was at the front regardless where the sun was coming from or anything like so i think that day is slowly disappearing and people are more into orientation of houses and getting and like once you have a bit of glazing to the south, like, I mean, we have a lot of glazing to the north, like, people have this concept that you can't have windows to the north in a passive house, and you, you, like, I've been trying to, if I was designing houses for people in the past, like, you're trying to sell the passive aspect to them, like, and they're going, oh, no, no, they're unhealthy, them houses are unhealthy, sure, yeah, God almighty, you couldn't live in a house that's airtight, but they can't understand the concept that like you don't need a draft coming in a window. You're getting rid of the drafts and getting rid of all the cold spots, but you're getting your fresh air in through a mechanical system. But it's just we're very slow to move in Ireland to change. Like yeah. this is the way houses were built 50 years ago, and they were good. And was so good enough for them then? So exactly. Like why would we change? Why would we? You know, you're going too fancy. Like yeah. you know, this concept is always there. Like so, it's very hard to sway some people around to think modern and think passive like you know but yeah but i do think though like i know you're the bill you but you designed and constructed the house um but i know now that like from looking at a house if they'll meet passive criteria because there is a certain style that's suited more to a passive um meeting passive criteria so like if you have a, a big sprawling house and there's ins and outs and ups and downs and juts in and juts out and, and transition pieces it's it's greater kind of wall um mass to cover for tightness it just it just it's it's riskier to meet the criteria of a passive of the passive house academy um so there is there is an element from the start that if you know that you're going down um, the passive house route. And is there a particular build method that's preferred for passive? Uh, what, what build method do you go with? We went with timber frame. Um, I personally think timber frame is probably the best and the easiest way of achieving passive. Um, and why, why is that? It's just, it's all, the workmanship is all done in the factory, like, and once you have um, your passive details accredited, like, it's, it's, it's very simple. At the end of the day, timber itself is a kind of an insulator as well, like, you know, so it doesn't conduct the cold in it as much as a solid concrete block or yeah. so it has a, a thermal property as it is as a structure and then you're filling that with insulation yeah. so you're you're kind of reducing your thermal bridging like but um, what about icf mark isn't that really oh no icf is there's a huge amount of talk about icf lately it's getting really popular it's getting popular it has huge potential in the fact that you're insulating on the outside and insulating on the inside and you're getting a, a structural element in the middle um, my gripe with ICF would be like external ins insulation done on retrofits is when the your insulation's on the outside and if you have a child yeah. and they hit a slitter off the wall, it's an acrylic render and if that cracks, water starts getting into the insulation and once the insulation starts getting saturated, yeah. you're, you're basically negating the properties of the insulation. So I just well, think if you can 
keep your insulation protected. So we have a timber frame that has the insulation in the structure. We have an air cavity and then we have a concrete block. If someone comes up and hits the slitter off the concrete block, yeah, they might crack the plaster. But at the end of the day, they're only cracking plaster on a, on a concrete block. So it's yeah. not as... I'd, I'd be really interested to, to, to listen to someone, though, talk about an ICF house, you know, as well. Oh, there's definitely merits to it. Like. The one thing I would be thinking is that it's, it's like timber is a natural product. Um, they're, they're like we did the passive foundation and like it was killing me to having have to bring all that styrofoam to landfill. Yeah. There's like there needs to be more done with the like this is a passive house and you're putting in this passive foundation. Um, and yes, there is there has been research done with the whole CO2 is actually still less than doing a standard strip um, concrete foundation. But the, the styrofoam, something needs to be done about that because yeah. that's it's not good for the environment. Because yeah, there's no there's nowhere that you can bring it and dispose of it that they can recycle it yeah. in this country. That yeah. You're literally bringing big quantities yeah. of styrofoam to the landfill. Yeah. And it's like we did, in fairness, the quantities were low, but we still had maybe two or three car trailer loads yeah. of styrofoam to be brought to landfill that was left over that yeah. couldn't be used. Crazy. Like It's crazy. But even if there was something, like if, if it has a purpose to build an ICF house and like they have a nice passive house after it, but even if someone could do something like, maybe like use it for like, you know, maybe it could be reused for something. You know, kind of like broken down and reused and made. Yeah, I think again maybe the, the companies like Kingspan Core that are supplying this stuff, they need to be looking at the that when you have your. Obviously, they need to give you some extra that you don't run out when you're building, but you're going to have leftovers, you're going to have offcuts. Is that there's a, 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 a system that they'll take back that styrofoam, whether they melt it. it down and they can make something out of it, like. I don't know, some kind of support blocks or bricks or something. Yeah, Make yeah. something that's of use as opposed to dumping quantities yeah. of, of styrofoam to landfill. Like. And then, like, so going through the build then, I, like, I, something that people find very difficult and, you know, like, especially with, with self-builds in particular is tradesmen and suppliers and figuring out who's next and lining up the whole, it's nearly like a run of people. How did you figure that and how did you kind of work through that? Like, did you find out that you were always on the phone and we were always... Not having arguments, but we were always trying yeah, to get no, people here. We were very fortunate in the people that we picked. They really worked with us. Yeah. Like we, like you hear horror stories about self-builders and that they can't get the plumber, they can't get the electrician, they can't get the block clear, and they're waiting weeks for this person and just everything going wrong for them. Like, but what, like you know, yours went so successfully. Was that because you were always on the phone to them? Were you always trying to get them we a day early? Kind of, we were always on, kind of. I suppose letting them know what was coming next and when we were hoping for them. Like, and look, at the end of the day, if you can give them prior notice, at least they can arrange themselves. And um, uh, but I do think, like, Mark was, on, Mark was on the phone a lot to organise, and Mark would let me know that so-and-so is going to be here on Saturday. But we, as self-builders as well, have an onus to be ready for them. So we need to have products here. We need to have, like, we need to be on site, have the site clean, tidy, ready to go so that they can hit the ground running. Do you know, when the, when the plumber is here, you're here waiting for them on site. You have everything ready to go. Um, that they're not, like, I know there was one, our poor electrician, we were wrecking his head because he was over and back a bit yeah. because our lighting was kind of so detailed. There was a bit of to and fro in there. But in general, be, be sound to your trades and they'll be sound back. Do you know, like don't have them running over and back 10 times over. Like have everything on site, ready to go, be organized, be here, have a clean site, do you know, be, be good to go. Yeah. Um, and be fair as well, like in regards, like, you know, kind of expecting from them as well. Totally, yeah. Like there's no point ringing them on a Friday evening saying, I need you there Monday morning. Like you, let them know that I need you. I, I'm looking at the moment the way things are going, I need you in two weeks time. You're giving them the heads up. At least then you can link in with them and say, listen, we're running a couple of days behind. They can organise other work. But if you're organising them to come to you, they come and you're not ready. Yeah. They're at nothing then. and they, yeah. they eventually get fed up and they go, you know what, you can wait. I'm yeah. going somewhere that's organised. So be, as Neve said, be organised with them. Like, you know. yeah. um, the thing we as well, I suppose, we used kind of a couple of the guys for a couple of different aspects, like the block yeah. layer, the, the footpaths. You know, if you can reduce the number of lads coming and going because you have obviously tie-ups between one trade and another, 
So if there's one guy doing multiple jobs, well, he can well, talk to himself. Well, he's there, he can do, yeah. Exactly, he yeah, knows yeah. when he's going to be finished that to go to the next step. And, so, and like in terms of self-build, was there a lot of stuff that you were manu- manually doing yourself? We did a good bit now, in fairness. Like, yeah. So as we tried to do as much as we could, because you're obviously trying to save and cost, because like materials, yes, they're a big cost, but labour is one of the biggest costs yeah. in, in any build. So if you can take out... The, as much labour as possible. As much labour as possible yeah. and do it. Yeah, it might delay you, but... I think if you give yourself a realistic program at the start of the job, like you hear people going, oh, we're going to be in in six months' time. Do you know what the best builders in the world that are at it day in, day out would struggle to get a house from start to finish in six, seven months. Yeah. But like you still have people mentioning these kind of unrealistic programs where I, I genuinely think for someone going down the, build, the self-build route, you need to be allowing a year to a year and a half. And do you think it's possible, like, you know, just people considering the self-build route, you know, with little to no knowledge, would you recommend them looking at a builder or do you think the cost outweighs the risk in terms of self-build, you know? I don't think the cost outweighs the risk because um, going with a builder, they have the expertise. If you don't have any background in it, um, you need to have some knowledge of what you're doing, even for just organising what comes next. Or you need to, if you're going self-build, you need to take someone on board that can maybe give you a guidance as to what are the steps. Yeah. Like, a person that has never built a house before is not going to know, like, does the foundation go in? Do you need a block there? Do you need a block there before the floor? Like, what comes before what? Like, or what comes next? Or mm. what's the next trade after this? But even when you go with a builder, it, you still need to kind of be very much involved in a build, totally. you know, a self-build. Just, just you need you need to write off your social life, your anything that you have outside of a work kind of build. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, you need to look at a builder. At the end of the day, he's <clears throat> he's a businessman. He's there to make money. At the end of the day, like most builders, they'll do a good job, but at the end of the day, they'll price the, the build and they'll do what they have to do and what they've priced. But yeah. you need to be on top of them and say, well, no, that's not what I want. Or, you know what? Yeah. Remember you that, like, your, it's your house. It's not the builder's house. So you need to be honest. Nobody's going to love it as much as you. No. Exactly. Totally. And you, like, nobody's going to know what's in your head either. So if you arrive onto site and be like, what's, what's, this is wrong. Like, that window isn't supposed to be that tall. Do you know, like, you need to be that involved. So whether you're direct labor or yourself or you're going with a builder, that investment is kind of there either way. It's just with self-building, a lot more onus fell on Mark to kind of make sure things were on site, things were available, tra- being on the phone a lot more than the builder You, you are the builder. At the end of the day, you are the builder. Yeah, so you're the project you're, manager. Like, you're the person yeah. that's running into the hardware shop for bits <clears> and pieces or whatever's needed or the materials that are needed or even though the, the hardware shop might deliver the materials to site, they might have forgot something, they might, mightn't have brought enough quantity. So you're the person running in and out the road. So if you were to actually add up yeah. your the time... petrol and time and And, and give stress. yourself an hourly rate, even if you gave yourself the minimum wage, like what the builders are charging, it's small money, like, you know. So if you have no background in building, I definitely think... You wouldn't rule it out. To build yeah. or self-build is an option as yeah. long as you have someone to guide you yeah. onto what the steps are. All you need to know is the steps. At the end of the day, we're all gophers. We're all going to be running in and out road. I mean, it's your own house. You don't mind a trip in and out to the shop. Like, how many times were you in and out the, the road? The drainage day, I'll never forget. Like, <laughs> like six hundred and two times later, I've gone in and out of the town. Like, and I have an electric car, full electric. So I was like, Mark, I'm running out of, <laughs> of, of battery here. Like. Um, and like that was us even being as organised as we thought we were. <clears throat> you still come to a point and there's, oh, we've the wrong bend here. Neve, can you go in and get, and like you might go in and get six of them, even though you know you might only need one or two. Neve will come out with 45 degree bends and we're halfway down the line and it's actually 30 we need. Neve's back in the road for six 30 bends. Like. And then at the end of the day, when everything was done, we nearly had a car a load of, of spare parts left over to bring back to the hardware. Like. You know, so... And uh, in terms of the build then, um, was there a lot to be done? I know obviously the self-build will save money, but was there a lot to be done in terms of saving money and cutting costs? You know, do, do, would you have any tips in terms of 
I'll take this one, I think, because yeah. I, I, I managed the, the, sheet, the, the balance sheets, I suppose. He was the accountant, yeah. Mark, Mark was, the, was the secretary ringing everyone to make sure they were going to be there when they said they were going to be there. Um, but in regards to budgeting, I suppose, Mark, because Mark had built a house before, he knew that like when things get tight, they really get tight. So he, you had a tight rein on me at the start to be like, me of like, yeah, I, I had big, I had no, not notions, but like you, you, you do dream big. Um, so you kind of want it all, but you paired me back a lot. So initially I suppose it was the size of the house. So if I asked for an extra bit of a walk-in wardrobe, Mark would be like, that'll cost you 8,000 to get that extra bit of space in a house. I'm like, okay. Um, but in regards to managing it, as the build went on then, um, <clears throat> like I suppose... What budget did you start with, if you don't mind me asking? Um, we were kind of, we didn't really know. You had a good guess what the house was going to cost. I suppose from my background I would have had an idea, but I suppose each year things are changing. Like back when I started in this game, I suppose in engineering, like and I was drawing houses a small bit, like houses were being built for 70 and 80 euro a square foot, like. But now we kind of worked on the basis that all going well, we were hoping somewhere between 130 and 100 and maybe 120 to 140 euros a square foot was our kind of budget price. We said, look, if we can work to that basis and try and get it there, we're, we're doing well. Now, that, we were, that was kind of a finished price. Um, so that was our kind of budget was to work yeah, to Yeah, but like, well, there's, say, we priced, we got three quotes for the windows. Um, so we went with the cheapest one, which was Munster Joinery. Um, and our windows are perfect. Um, yeah, but again, that's going back to what you were saying, though, like, Munster Joinery got very bad... I suppose name through the, the last boom there was awful stuff being fired out like there was houses being fired up and they were really bad quality so once the joinery's kind of rep reputation got a bit of a slate and then because there was cheap windows being put into cheap bills and they were falling apart and everything but when you go back then to the certified passive windows so once the joinery were the first crowd in Ireland to have certified passive windows so you could get cheap windows off Munster joinery and they'd look grand but they weren't certified. But by getting certified passive windows, you, you knew what you had to getting. be to a quality. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're still cheaper because they're such a big company. They can, they can fire out windows a lot more comp competitively than other companies. But they're perfect, like. Yeah. So you have people going, I don't believe, I can't believe you went to joinery, they're, they're really bad. But they're not, they're really good. So, like. But I'm just going to shout out stuff. So say the tiles, we have the same tile in all our suites, And it was literally the cheapest tile in the shop. Um, we bought all our sanitary wear in the one place, so we got a good discount at the end. Um, I got like I, I spoke to the plumber, speak to the trades, ask him where can I cut costs. So the plumber basically told me, Neve, get a cheap toilet. You don't need a really expensive toilet. So I got the cheapest toilets, um, as long as it kind of had the specification that we wanted. Um, we like. Um, did they engage with that when you chatted the <coughs> tradesmen? Were they sound enough to say, well, listen, you could do this? Absolutely. They were yeah. open to that conversation. Yeah, yeah totally. Like the, the, all the tradespeople want is an easy life. Yeah. So they want, if they know a product is not easy to work with, they'll guide you away from it. Yeah. But in regards to quality and stuff, they'll kind of say, listen, you don't need to spend X amount on that, you can get a cheaper one and it's just as good. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have the knowledge, they're dealing with they're this stuff day in, day out. Yeah, yeah. So if you talk to your trades, they'll give you a bit of a guidance too, like, you know, because you don't need the most expensive of everything. Yeah. He, even with the kitchen, um, I actually picked, the, it, even though it's a, it's a slick kitchen and stuff, but even in that range, there was like three colours that were the cheapest. And th those three colours are the dust grey, the white, and the light grey that are below the utility. So they were the cheapest range that we could have gotten for the kitchen. Um, and it, I kind of, you make sacrifices where you can and you don't where you don't. Do you know, you, like as we said, we knew the stairs was going to be a big investment and we, we were willing to take the hit on that. Um, flooring wise, you put it down and we got laminate throughout the whole house. So we felt they were cheaper than tiles and they do what we wanted it to do. Um, Again, I'd never put down timber floor before in my life. It actually looks great, so yeah. Yeah, just, just, we just took a chance and I said, look, it's worth to go, it can't be that hard, like, you know? Yeah, there's nothing that was like stupid money, like the, the lighting and stuff is quite cool in the house, but it, 
like one or two of the lights came from like they were like bespoke and stuff but a lot of the lights are like ikea or they're you know they're they're just they just work in the space so like you don't need to go it's with. kind of a little bit about a little bit of it is like about prioritizing stuff and then the other side of it is like being smart about where you're putting yeah. the money like yeah. spend spend the money on things that you need to spend the money yeah, on like windows and windows the, and getting the, the structure good timber frame yeah, yeah. And, and getting the air tightness right all them things are, are critical to the house like the the fixtures and fittings you can change you can change yeah. any stage if you make a mistake on a paint color it's only a matter of painting it later on don't get caught up on it like yeah. you know Ideas, you can change, I think like. the container is a really cool idea for the garage. Like we got that, I think it was, can I say how much it was? It was two grand. Yeah. It was two grand for the container. Um, but if you were to build a garage, you have foundations, you have blocks, you have a roof, you have windows. Uh, like a garage could cost you 20 grand, oh, like, totally easily. Like, yeah. easily. Whereas yeah. that's two grand and it does the same like thing. The, the, the good investment with the container was we need a storage for the build. You need somewhere to be able to lock something. Because at the end of the day, we're building in the middle of a field. If you have equipment out, it's not going to be there the next morning. Yeah. So the container was an investment of two, two and a half grand. It was a, it was storage for a while we were building. Um, the thing with containers is you'll always sell them. There's always people looking for containers. So even if you only want it for the build, you can always sell it on again and you'll probably make back most of what you paid. Like what we did at the mobile home. Like we, yeah. when Mark sold the house, we bought the mobile home against my will. I thought it was mad spending big money on a mobile home, but you made the money back and yeah. we had a very little outlay in rent while we were building um, and we had the like comfort because people the, find it very hard sometimes to get onto the ladder when they're totally. renting and you know like yeah. rental has gone crazy at the moment like so like we, when we were looking we were obviously debating what we were going to do and we were the house was sold we were going to have no house for a year year and a half while we were building so what do we do we looked at rental properties around there were few and far between number one but number two like the, the asking price for most things were a thousand euros, eleven hundred euros a month. Like if you're looking at a, a year and a half build, that's the most of twenty thousand euros. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you're going to have outlaid while you're building. So we kind of eventually got around Neve about a mobile home. Uh, now we didn't buy a, an old mobile home. I, I kind of made the decision that if we bought a very good mobile home, that the, the chances are we'd sell it on again when we're finished to build as probably a holiday home for someone and instead of them paying top dollar and did you put the, the home on this site itself no we didn't because um at the time i didn't have any services on the site there was no power okay there yeah. was no water there was no sepi tank so we just put into the garden next door to my parents because there was a sepi tank there that we could tap into we tapped into their power and we tapped into their water okay yeah, yeah. so but like we we I'm had sure the home for 20 months for what I think we maybe I think lost it was about, about 270 euro a month it would have cost on yeah. rent. So it was so much cheaper, like, you know, and it was cozy out, like, sure, when you're self-building, you're not going, all you're literally doing is sleeping and, and grabbing something to, to eat yeah. every, other time, every other moment nearly in the day yeah. and the weekend you're at the house. Yeah. So. It's great. And, um, yeah, so then, like, I suppose going on to finishes and kind of, like, making the house what it is today. How, like, where did you draw your inspiration from and where did that come from? And like, you know, because this house is like what I would call a wow house, you know what I mean? So well, I suppose yeah. I can only take credit for getting the house. <laughs> I'm like, you're built. taking credit? What are you taking credit for? I'm taking credit now for literally getting the house through planning and built, I suppose, the structure and stuff was where I was in my own. I was happy out getting the structure right and insulation <laughs> and all them bits and pieces. But when, when it came to finishing the house, like it's completely yeah. down to Neve. Like I mean, like Neve. I was giving out to Neve at times. We were, I think, we were at the foundation stage where I was here lifting light little uh, blocks of of styrofoam, putting it together, and Neve was going, oh, "I need to go and talk to the kitchen guy." And I was like, "Will you ever go away and don't be annoying me about the kitchen? That's a year's time away. Don't be talking about the kitchen." And she's like, "No, no, I go to the kitchen." But she went into the kitchen crowds and got a kind of a concept design. And to be fair, at that stage, we hadn't a timber frame even finalised. We were working off planning drawings. And uh, Neve spoke to the kitchen company and they put in, I don't know if you can see it, the window between the, the kitchen, the, the yes. tall units and the uh, yeah. worktop. That window was incorporated into design, which at that stage, we were able to go back to the timber frame company, Shoalwater, and say, we actually want to put a window there. Because we had a, a normal window or a long yeah. picture window. Yeah. 
So we were able to, at that stage, so Adapt it was... the design, yeah. Even though I was giving out to Neve going, don't be even talking to me about a kitchen and I put in foundations. It was, it it was actually brilliant because it actually, yeah. we could tweak the design slightly. So... But even like um, dropping the windows, so some of our picture windows, like that window is a picture window. Um, we had to allow for the, the diameter of the floor. So Mark as well, I was like, he's like, what flooring are we going with? So I needed to know what I was planning for the kitchen, for the different rooms with the dropped windows to give that kind of um, frameless look. Um, <clears throat> so I was always thinking of the interior finish. Um, but then I was on Instagram, I started the Instagram account and I was just getting inspo left, right and center. And I'd love, I'd love interior design anyway. Like I just, I love creative. Um, Creativity did art for my leaving cert and I was like always bringing in moss to work on like for like when we were doing 3D sculptures like here's me bringing in a bag of moss like to stick on to whatever I'd have a bird done and stuff and then I, I read a little note that my, my art teacher did going Neve loves working with natural materials and was actually mad that even back then when I was what 17 years of age I loved I love wood I love like I just loved kind of raw materials um, and the look of kind of a more natural look. And that kind of followed right through then. It yeah. did, yeah. And then <clears throat> I suppose, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the interior is like you, 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 you kind of look to fit into a box. So you like, you see Scandi, you see like industrial. And I was like, mm, I liked bits of pieces of like did the different ones. But I was also taking the inspiration from what's around us. So when we were picking the colors, of the for the walls the paint colors like we're we've the knock meal downs on one side of us and the, the knock meal downs there and the cumbers over there um so we're surrounded by mountains so initially i was like looking at the colors of the mountains and going they're beautiful and i wanted this deep kind of earthy vibe anyway um and then it just kind of flowed from there but in regards to the interiors texture was massive for me like so we went with a lighting designer um, and light itself is a texture, do you know, it's warmth, it's, it's, do you know, it's ambient lighting. Um, but even just kind of bringing in as much kind of sensual bits as I could, um, within budget as well. Like I've done kind of re really well oh, yeah, doing but, what we have. Yeah. Like we're only in two, we're not even in two months. And like we, we kind of have the place looking really homely and feeling. It does, yeah, yeah, it does. Like I would be totally alien to the whole lot. Like I'd be just down to, I'd have everything painted one color. I was going recess lights everywhere. And he was like, no, no, come back now. We're not going. I think it was just the engineer. I was just project managing and I was just on program, bang, 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 get next step, next step, next step. And Eve had reined me in a couple of times. Okay, no, we're not going with just recess lights everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I actually stalled first fix for a week or two because I just wasn't happy with yeah. the stand. Not standard, but I just wasn't happy. Yeah, I literally so. just got to drawing and went kitchen, right, recess lights. I went, whatever, 12, 14 yeah. recess lights. Job done. Next room, yeah. next room. Where was like, no, no, we're doing something different. But yeah. it, it's great to have that oh, between, the, like, between yeah. each other to bounce off. And yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was able to get the, the foundations, the walls, the house, the structure. Neve was working the other side. Where yeah. I think if I was just to do this on my own, yeah, the structure never would be perfect, but to be a lot different looking yeah. in the house, it yeah. wouldn't be nothing like it is now like you know but again as Neve said like she, she was able to do all this and make it what it is now without going crazy on budget because that's the thing because when people see this house it looks like a million dollars like you know it, yeah. it really does look high end you know so yeah. to, i think i suppose that might be a little bit inspiring to people it's just the, like i think it's just down to Neve's visualization she that's can see I mean. something yeah. cheap like something inside in a shop and i'd be looking at it going no don't even look at it like it's a fiver or tenner and yeah. yet, Neve can make it into something like in the house. It just works because she could you, see that. If working. you bring it back to basics as well, I suppose we started off and we both are very much into our sports and like not being in the house cleaning it the whole time. So we wanted uh, like minimal, you know, kind of easy, clean, light, airy, spacious house. That's what the vibe was. So to be honest, you designed such a good house, you could have thrown anything in here and it would have looked well. Um, but then I was kind of going around and I'd see little bits and I'd pick them up um, throughout the build. I kind of had a little bottom drawer going, but I never bought anything without running it by Mark. Mm -hmm. Just out of, um, you often reined me in, you did. Like... It was just, it's just a fear because cash flow is so important when you're building. Like if you, if you kind of run right and, and start spending, even though at the end of the day, you might have had the money, 
but at early on in the build you don't know where you're exactly going to go or what what's going to crop up that yeah, is an you, extra you, cost like you often hear of people getting the house weather tight with yeah. the windows and doors and the roof on and they think wow i've actually loads of money left over yeah, yeah. let's go mad and that's when yeah problems can happen you and know? like then if you're organizing trades if, if you haven't money to pay them like they're not going to come back for the next stage and you haven't paid them for the, the bit before like so you need to be able to keep things rolling like so yeah you need to be buying stuff and there was times there where there were sales and furniture and you know summer sales and and he was like can we buy a couch can we get the couch now really like the couch or the dining table and i'm like going we need to hold back because we need yeah. that x amount of that 500 or something yeah, like yeah. we need that yeah. now because we mightn't have it when we get to that stage yeah. and we i'm delighted i didn't buy it do you know like it does take it does, does you're, you're, like you're, piece by piece the house is coming together um, but your thoughts so. change too like when you're looking at a, a timber frame and a standing and yeah you're getting to oh god we have a house now like but it'll change 10 times between there and when you plaster it and then when you paint it and it just keeps changing so what might have worked in your head at at, at an early stage kind of slightly changes yeah, again later yeah. on like you really need to have the house coming together to start finishing some of it like you know yeah and and like a big question is what mistakes were made or what would you change or what not 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 a hate is a strong word but what do you, what would you change or what do you dislike about the house God, I don't know, actually. Um, I suppose the, the, there's an old saying in, in house building is your, your third house, they reckon you get it completely right. This is, this is my second. My fours. <laughs> first. So together we're three. Yeah. Two plus one. So this is the perfect house for us. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, from my side of things, I don't think there's really anything that I've said yet today that has jumped out of me going, sorry, I didn't do this or... I think the only thing I think slightly was the over the bedroom. Uh, there's a there's a room up there that we made into a, a vaulted attic, like just for storage. But I think since being up there, there's such an amount of space. I was kind of half sorry I didn't incorporate it into the airtight thermal envelope and have it as a little kind of a an office or something up there. But then we were at the stage where the house was as big as we needed it to be, and adding in an extra. 150 or 200 yeah. square feet was could have been breaking point like yeah yeah so that's the only thing i suppose that i've kind of questioned yeah. i suppose look i i am kind of i love like crazy design so like i was i was actually training for the iron man when mark was like designing the house um uh but i was like mark would love a like a red barrel roof and mark's like no um and then i'd be like um mark can we have some other random thing and he like, no um, and even now, like, even though this house is absolutely, like, perfect for us, um, you'd still look at designs, like, that's really cool. Like, I love the fact, so we have the Brie Soleil going on the south and east facing um, windows in the next kind of month or two. We'll be working, getting that up, because um, that'll mitigate the overheating. But, like, I really like, say, like, say our, our zinc box window over the, in the master bedroom. Like, it'd be cool if that was kind of incorporated as a, as a kind of a frame that was like the window oh, was stepped yeah. back in yeah, yeah. and you had maybe a little balcony there or something. Um, like, but, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What else? There's like, um, do you know, our... <laughs> um, you have to open kind of worms, yeah. <laughs> do you know the... Um, <clears throat> our Didn't master, there were so many things. Our master on suite. We said it, we said it like, it's so cool because that's actually so private back at that part of the house. It would be really cool because that's where the carport is going. Um, so we have a plan to do a, a little wildflower garden on the car. It's a double carport and that'd be kind of cool. But what we said was if we had done a little, if we dropped that window and done a little sliding door, you could walk out onto the carport to like a hot tub or something. That would have been cool. Um, but like, where do you stop? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And like things will change, like, I mean, in another year's time there might be some other uh, build account come on Instagram and they'll have a lovely design and you'll be going oh that's gorgeous like yeah. there is there's like we've seen some other uh, accounts on self on Instagram like and some of the features are lovely like them barrel roofs are lovely I just didn't think it was going to work here and I just so sometimes they can be a bit complicated in the build trying to get the sheeting on them and the and the bits and pieces like but you, so can't, you can't win them all. You definitely. can't have it all. No, no. Like, and I suppose I, I was trying to keep the design simple because the simpler you can keep the design, 
you're hoping that'll lead to kind of a cheaper build cost yeah. as well. If you start overcomplicating it, it starts costing as well. And for passive then as well, as Neve said earlier, like you're trying to keep the the actual footprint envelope. of the house and the envelope kind of compact. Yeah, yeah. The square. Um, a like, two-story yeah, house yeah. works better, obviously, a box in a box. I always keep describing it as. So we kept the design fairly simple, like it's a it's the glorified box in a box with a small projection, like, you know. But it just shows that like you don't need to go mad in your design to have something that still looks okay. Because like sometimes you will hear people talking about passive houses and they go, oh, they're so plain. They have to be plain for their, to be a passive house. But it's, it's, it's wrong. Like, you don't have to have a plain. It can be a normal, aesthetically pleasing house and still work as and a passive house. And still work house. as a passive, yeah. And the, the last thing I want to ask you before we finish is what do you love about the house? Or what, you know, like when you wake up in the morning, what's the thing that you really like? I love the fact that like every single inch of it is um, invested time by us in the last two years. Like every, I... Oh, that's really nice. No, but there, there's, there's just, I can remember like wrecking the lads as said, getting those hidden blind feature in. I can remember like, you know, deciding on the, the windows, you know, even though you did the design, like every single inch has been, we've kind of witnessed it um, and been involved. In it, it is like, but that, that's why I suppose I was saying earlier that if you give yourself a realistic time frame to build it, you're not rushing, you're not pushing, pushing, pushing the whole time. So you can actually kind of enjoy it. Now you are trying to build it as fast as you can, but you do enjoy the journey along the way. Like, and, like every time you walk into a room or you walk into any part of the house, there, there's a memory yeah, of the build. Like you can remember some hardship there might have been involved at the time or the two of us nearly having a fight over something. I, I would have loved if there was a photographer following us around when we're like in really compromised positions. <laughs> and like, like there has been like, she's recovering the windows like with the blue plastic like, and I open top of the window and leave down below like, and. Rolls hitting her in the Keep head it. and like just just the silly things that happen but just it's all a, a journey like and as you said if you could actually photograph it or video it all it'd be brilliant like it'd be actually comical you sit down and watch it forever like but it's just there's a journey there self-building it yeah it's a stress <laughs> but it's it's a good stress like it's an enjoyable stress because you're investing in a house for yourself so you're going to put everything you can and into go it. the extra mile like but yeah. you remember everything like i mean i look at, at that wall there like and i actually remember myself and eve packing metac insulation into the wall here and we yeah. dust masks and we yet alive with, with insulation like but it's it's all memories like and i suppose then just in every morning i get up to go to work like you get up into this kitchen and you still kind of pinch yourself going it's actually ours like you know because for so long we were down on the field looking down at that view going wouldn't it be so cool to be up that three or four meters in the air and i can't wait to see it when we get there and we're here now you sit at your your island or you sit at your kitchen table in the morning having breakfast and you're just looking out into the view like and it's this is our home like it's yeah. it's amazing like the know? light and the sunshine is quite lovely like every day yeah throughout the day even even when you wake up and it's foggy there's something really cool to look at like from the from the window. And I suppose the last house like that I, that I that I built like I did go over and above the building regs at the time but it was older technology if you want to call it building techniques and even though it was a, a good house like I hated um windy gray days like because I just knew it was going to cost a fortune to heat you knew the oil boiler was going to be burning oil and like when you're when you're living in a house like all them extra cost like to run a house oil like I remember like hating yeah. seeing the oil already coming because you knew a, a fill of oil was going to be 800, 800 or 900 euros like so we're here now in the house and we're in it what say six seven weeks and like we haven't had a good summer this year this this year has been an atrocious year like with wind and rain and gray days like we haven't really had summer days yet like the heating hasn't come on once like we've had no need for heating like we've been opening because we don't have the breeze to lay, the house is overheating at the moment. Like we've been opening windows and doors trying to cool the house down. Like I'm looking forward to the winter that I won't have an oil bill. Like that we're going to be sitting here cozy out and going, everyone else is spending money yeah, on oil yeah, and, yeah. and coal and timber, and we're sitting here with no heating. Like you know, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, like, it, and the fresh I, air. It definitely like. is the next level of building. Like you can really yeah. see it coming through. 
The, the very last thing I want to ask you guys is, if somebody's about to start a build, what would be your one piece of advice? What would be your one tip you'd give them? Um, you an answer? Um, I suppose I, I would just say, don't rush it. Don't try and, and build it in this unrealistic time frame. So time management will be a big yeah, thing. Like yeah, you, I really think realistic you need about 12 time. months to 18 months to build any house if you want to do it right. If you're going to be rushing, you're going to cut corners, you're going to, even though you might mean to cut corners, you're going to miss something or something's going to get forgotten. Give yourself the time. Even if you have to, if you're going through something like Neve, like with the lights, I was driving on doing recess lights. It was going to be done. Yeah, we might have lost a week or two. We might have annoyed the electrician a little bit and the fact that he'd go away again. But it was worth it because the lighting we have here now is so much better than it would have been. Um, that's suppose one thing, don't pick out an unrealistic program. And two, I suppose, is before you go, you put pen to paper with your architect, your engineer, is visit houses. Everyone knows someone with a house or a new house or a renovated house. Just get a feel for room sizes. Because there's so many people building room or building a house and there's rooms in it and the architect engineer might tell them, oh, 12 foot for a bedroom is load like, but they have in their head, they want a super king size bed. And then you put in the super king size bed in this room they thought was big. And all of a sudden they're crammed into this little room. You have it forever with the room. You can make the room a whole lot bigger. So get your room sizes right. Like the main rooms anyway, like your, your kitchen, your living room and your bedrooms, like, yeah. get, get them right. Prioritise them, yeah. Get yeah. them right, you can get them right, the rest of the house will kind of follow, yeah. like, you know, because. <clears throat> then I suppose, um, I would say dream big, but be realistic. So like, you know, have, you, have that dream built that you always wanted, but you don't need five bats, do you know? It's me and Mark, we need one bat in the house. The, like, we put it into our master and suite, because we figured a guest probably won't be having a bath, they'll have a shower. Do you know? So we're kind of just thinking outside the box and saving money while we're going. We don't, we don't even have a bathroom in the house as such because we have three bedrooms. Um, like when visitors call to, to visit you and say hello and they're having a cup of tea or something, they don't need to go to a bathroom. They need a toilet and a sink. So our main bathroom, if you want to call it, is literally a room with a toilet and a sink. We have the bath in our own suite and the two other rooms downstairs, they didn't need a shared bathroom, so just gave them both an ensuite. Like, it's, it's just yeah, thinking of what you actually, what, what, no, I know that's... What suits your needs, do you know? So, like, um, like, comp, like, do you know, kind of be willing to compromise, but then don't compromise on your dreams, do you know? So, if you've always wanted a, a copper house, so no, a copper house, a copper bath, an upside down house, whatever it is, go for it, do you know? Do what Mark says, be organised, get your ducks in a row, don't, don't rush things, don't make mistakes, talk to people in the trades, get as much free advice as you can, but also maybe pay for a little bit of advice if you need to as well, to kind of, like, it'll save you long term, definitely. Um, like, this is a huge investment in your future life, you, know, you, you want to get it right, but also you don't want to be paying for it for the rest of your life and going, that like I know a lot of people now are putting in stoves and they're kind of starting to come to the realisation that modern builds don't need mm -hmm. fires um, and they're kind of like I see it on Instagram every day it's the most expensive accessory they've bought for the house is a five grand stove do you know so like it's kind of just but even with the passive house thing as well like I mean at the start we paid I don't know what it was exactly a thousand or twelve hundred euros yeah. for PHPP analysis now we we needed that because we were hoping to go certified. But even if you're not going passive certified, spending that a thousand euros or fifteen hundred euros, whatever it is, is so worth it because they'll do calculations of your house, what overheating, what heat demand you have, and all them items. Which in this house, as an example, like our heating demand was so low, we didn't need to put in underfloor heating or a heat pump. Like that, that saved us. Thousands. Could be 10, 11,000 maybe for underfloor heating and a heat pump. But if we didn't have that PHPP analysis that cost us that 1,000 euros, we wouldn't have known for definite them figures. So you're not going to take a chance in Ireland and say, I'm not going to put in heating. I might need it. 
you're going to put in you the had that confidence there yeah, yeah so you want it there you might never turn it on like the one thing that passive house i visited in 2011 they they were at the early stages and they were afraid they didn't trust the architect or engineer and they put in underfloor heating pipes i think it cost them six thousand euros and when we went to visit the house we went into the plant room or the the hot press and underfloor heating pipes were coming and they weren't connected to anything but yet they'd spend six thousand euros on pipes that they're never ever going to use and we would have been the same without phpp analysis We'd have spent 11,000 on a heat pump and underfloor heating and to never come on. So you, you, you might spend money and it might feel like, do I really need to spend that 1,000 euros now at this stage? But it might save you 10,000. You know, it's, it's yeah. getting your calculations and all them figures. At least then you know exactly what you need as opposed to going, I don't know what I need, so I'll put in everything. Yeah. yeah. And you never use it. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an expensive yeah. accessory like. I think that's it, yeah. Just thanks very much, but oh, I appreciate you. the advice. Yeah. I think it'll be great for people to... We love, we love talking house, don't we? That's it, I suppose. It's that's, just great to talk to people. That's thing as well, though, I suppose, is, is... I suppose some people might think that they're asking people questions and they're putting them out. I think anyone that has built a house, we're examples, we but I think everyone that has built a house... Talk. We love talking about it because it's, you yeah. put so much into it. You love helping people. Like, yeah, we like, love saying to people, like, you know, people that we know, to, to call over. You know, COVID aside, but like, call over, have a look, get a feel for what a five meter window span looks like. Do you know, get a feel for what a kind of a this size bedroom looks like. Get a feel for kind of different things. No, there is probably about twenty-seven thousand people that have been calling over here, and we don't know it because they're on Neve's Instagram page. But like, you love helping people, like you know, and yeah, you might give someone a bit of advice that they might build an even nicer house near, but fair play to them, like you know, but. Ask the questions. I think most people would only be delighted to welcome you in the door because we're proud of our house. You're so all in the same position in. once, like that's exactly. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you can help someone out, like you feel you feel good and they're happy out, like and everyone's and happy. I, I wonder if you never went to that passive house that day, would we be sitting here in a passive house? Maybe Probably not. not. No, because it sold me passive house that day, like you know, and, and even though you learn about it and people tell you that oh, passive houses are so efficient and you'll have no heating costs or very low heating costs without seeing it. Like we're, we're all kind of doubting Thomas is really like, you know, it can't be, that couldn't be that good. Like, you know, there's always a catch. There has to be something like, and it's not like, yeah, it costs you a little bit more maybe to build day one, but you'll save it over the lifetime of a house. Like. Yeah, it pays itself back. Then. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It really genuinely means a lot. If you want to find out more from Neve and Mark, you can find them on Instagram at PassiveBuild. Be sure to show them some love as having them as our first home was really such a blessing. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you can also view their YouTube episode on the Get Inner Home YouTube channel. I've just set up Get Inner Home with the aim of helping people that are on their own home building journey. And as we're only new, I would really appreciate it if you could click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It'll cost you nothing and really help us to keep going with the content. It'll also help you to stay notified when we release new episodes. Thanks and hope to see you all soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.